guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. April, what did we talk about today? We talked about storytelling. We unpack storytelling at a very, very deep level. Yes. What we- was your favorite part of the show? Being with you. Ah, I love it. <laughs> What's the favorite part everybody should look forward to listening to in the show? Okay, we drop an assignment and a challenge towards the end of the episode, so sorry, you're going to have to listen to all of it. Yes. That's going to really help you unlock the power of storytelling, even if you think you don't know how to, how to tell a good story. I will say we talked about that, how the daily excavation of your yeah. story will unlock your potential on how her practice is probably the secret to having unlimited stories in your life and in your business, having a healthy relationship. Plus, we shared some parts of mine that I don't think I've ever really talked about in owning it, loving it, and how my 16-year-old daughter brought me to tears at dinner in front of all of my mastermind members last night, and I was here for all of it. So we uncovered that, plus a ton more. Like some business stuff, too. Oh, there's like, business you know, in like, there. Like, you know, hiring and... Oh, yeah, we talked about we hiring. There's a whole section Outsourcing. On that. <laughs> oh, we did all of that. We covered a lot. We covered okay. a lot of ground. Have your pens, have your notebooks, have your pause button, because this one is loaded with nuggets. So let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. This is a very special episode since I am sitting in person with this amazing guest. We are at the Lodge in Whitefish, Montana, like 10 minutes from my new home because we just wrapped our mastermind event and we are getting ready tomorrow for the public event and we're even going to do a live podcast where we're going to record it live at lunch and people can witness and ask questions, so that one will be fun. But I am super stoked and honored to have one of my mastermind members, one of my dear friends, And I think the person currently in my ecosystem I've known the longest, (laughs) a vegetarian who stayed even when I posted about bacon all the time. So I'm pretty honored. So April, welcome to the show. Thank you, George. You're welcome. GB. GB. I feel like this is so easy because we've been together for the last four days in an event. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I have to ask the same question I always ask. And it's going to be great to hear it in person. So when you look back at your career and you have had a very long career, you can go either way, you know, your career before entrepreneurship or your entrepreneurship, but I'd say entrepreneurship, probably a better tilt. When you look back, what do you feel was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? And then how do you mitigate it now? If you could go back and be like, don't do that. Or what did you learn from it? What would that experience be for you? It's twofold, but it's really the same. The, the broad answer is investing. I, I didn't invest as quickly as I should have. Mm. I invested, like I take a course. Yeah. You know? That's an investment. But investing truly in my business, getting really great coaching, hiring mentors, going on transformational retreats where you actually walk away learning something. Those types of things have been really transformational. And along the same lines as, as in, investing is investing in my business through help. Not just hiring a coach, but also hiring someone to build the sales page or to write this copy. Or now I have a team of people that help me regularly. A video editor, someone who's doing a lot of my social media now. And even when I didn't have money to do that, Mm -hmm. I still started it. I started it with one VA and 
it's grown because I invested. Yeah. I don't sit here today with any decent sized business because not doing those things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's so many common threads there too, because in the beginning, I remember when I made like my first six figures, I was like, I have to keep all of it. Right. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I need all of it. I need all of it. So I was like, I'll do it myself. I won't invest in a boom, but then you lose then you it all. And you drive yourself crazy. And you drive yourself and nuts. exhausted. You drive and yourself you nuts. And you your business. And I'd say for me, like hearing that, like one of the big reminders for me was that one of the mistakes that I made was not looking at my business like a business. Mm-hmm. I looked at it like it was a business to generate revenue, but I never treated it like a business because I would take the revenue out or try to hoard it. I'm like, oh no, like this is something like I plant a garden. I want to add another plant. I have to take care of it. I have to plant something else. And I feel like that's probably one of the biggest ones. And you recently really expanded your team. Yes. Right? Like you have basically, you bought a lot of your time I back. I bought so much of my time back. And a lot of it is even just the influence that you've had, like teaching this this concept of tight containers, <laughs> like really tight containers. And I had that concept, but I wasn't necessarily abiding by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but the way you finally described it and explained it and taught it, I was like, this is what I'm missing. Yeah. And so... Creating those tight containers included creating tight containers with my team and even adding more team members and just getting really clear about how I, how I delegate. Yep. I'll even tell you a story in a minute like from stuff that came up yesterday that I've already taken action on today. Having those tight containers, having the team to help do some of that for me has created so much space for me to, number one, enjoy my life, Yes. <laughs> be in Montana for seven days, and also like really nurture the mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. of existing clients and just audience members yeah. who hopefully make become clients or totally. refer me or help me grow other ways or just yeah. cheerly. That's I'm down for that too. Totally. You know? So it's just allowed for business growth and also new creative ideas mm-hmm. because you can't, I'm such a creative right brain person that I can't create when I'm in a place of stuckness or frustration or angst and all of that. So mm-hmm. a lot has come through growing my business even lately from starting with adding the team members and creating some containers and opening up more space. Yeah, there's a lot there. But I think one of the other things you said in the beginning is that I used to be the same way, like investing was like, oh, I buy a course. Like I probably... You can ask my wife. She'll tell you the number, but over $100,000 in courses that I never even opened. That you never right? even open or finish. Or yeah. finish or even start. I was yeah. like, oh, buying a course will give me the answer. Even though I never open it, I never implement it, I never do anything with it. Totally. But it also, that same thread, I think, applies to what you were saying and, and a mistake that we see a lot, and you and I have talked about this with containers, is outsourcing or hiring with clarity. Yes. Right? Because if you go buy a course without knowing what you're looking for or what yes. you're going to get, you're not going to get it. No. If you hire a team member and not knowing what they're supposed to do or what they should do, you're not going to get it. And I think a big mistake I see a lot is people try to hire out the outcome. They are not hire out the outcome. They hire out the clarity. They're like, I need more sales. And instead of being like, well, how could I get those? Or where they come from? They're like, hey, let me pay you this money really ambiguously to try to generate something really ambiguously so that I can get upset at you because I was so ambiguous, blame you, fire you and waste more money. Yeah. Which we learned that you and I both like to play in that land. I I have a team, (laughs) which is why Tyler is in front of us right now filming us for Instagram. But I I really feel like it's really important. And I know you went through this too. We just finished talking about this, like really getting you laser clarity to where you got to respect that you're creative. You have to understand what your strengths are. And then you have to just implore either a team around you, people around you, support around you 
that help reflect back the things that aren't really our skill sets. But when you said it earlier of I didn't hire it out fast enough, I didn't do it or I did it all myself. I think really the the root of that is trying to do it all alone. Yeah. And I got it. I got it. And that becomes the trap over and over. Even after we concluded yesterday, I went down by the lake and did a Facebook Live with my community. And I said to them, just sharing some of my big takeaways. And that is one thing. It's like the road to personal growth, where it be for ourselves and or our business. It is not a solo journey. If you get in that car and start driving, you are going to crash into a tree and maybe die. Yep. Seriously. Yep. So it is absolutely, you got to have some passengers. You got to have people in the back. You got to have... The, what's the NASCAR reference? The leader car. We oh, got yeah, a lot yeah, the of NASCAR pace car. references yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, I, like need, I need AAA just in case yeah, of an emergency. Yeah, you need all of that. You need <laughs> Siri on the map telling you where to go. <laughs> like, you got to have all that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally see that. And I'd actually love to hear for you, what was it that you shared as we've been, and, and let me just give context to everybody. Yeah. So April is in our mastermind and we just spent three days together. I think there were about 14 or 15 of us in a room and we do deep, deep work deep, to deep, get deep. to that clarity, <laughs> to, to make sure like our buddy Alex Sharfin says, you don't have the business that you want yet because you haven't become the person who can have it. And I think in the thread that we're talking about, we're like, when we start hiring and and buying our time back and putting containers out there, what we're doing is creating space for us to work on that next level. Mm -hmm. And we did. And just so everybody listening, like I, we do breath work together. We do clarity exercises. We even did art class Mm -hmm. and you'll be shocked at the clarity that comes out of art class Mm -hmm. with entrepreneurs and adults. But I would love to hear what some of your takeaways for, like you already called your team. I'd love to hear that story now, since you opened that loop for me. I'll share what I shared with my community first. Just some of the clarity that I got was around. I came in the beginning of the week, like really searching because I knew that I was playing small, still knew that I was, and I play pretty big, but you I do. still know in my world, I knew there's so many ways that I continue to play small and keep myself really safe and uh-huh. protected. And so that was one of the things that I really came here wanting to answer for myself was like, I know I do it, but like how to stop doing it or what does that look like to take that next step? And I did. A lot of it is you get, how? Like, how am I going to take that next step? What is that next step? And a lot of that is just really asking the wrong question. And so it was more about just realizing, number one, just I think that was the first thing was having awareness around it, like mm-hmm. knowing what your freaking problem is. Yeah. And and then just how part of it is that I don't promote myself. Like, I don't talk about some of the things that I've that bring that I bring to the table mm-hmm. in a way because I think – when we run our own businesses, we all have a skill set. We all have expertise. We all have experience. And then we get into this trap of, doesn't everybody have that? Hasn't everybody hosted an HGTV show or written scripts yeah. for television? Hasn't everybody done that? Yeah, I did it. I did it this morning when right. I was bored. Like, yeah. the, like that literally, <laughs> you we get into that trap. And so I don't utilize some of that enough to like get on the bigger podcast because that's what they're looking for. But actually that's not because then I'm going to come in and really just share what I know, not about those things, but it's, I don't leverage that enough. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to step onto bigger stages or you want to get into bigger rooms or you want to sit at bigger tables, you have to look at what your unique 
value proposition is. And while I know what mine is, I discredit it a lot or I sweep it under the table and I don't use it to my advantage. Well, that's just marketing. Totally. I mean, <laughs> I, and it, la- it lands a lot for me too, because I catch myself, I'll see some people and I'm like, God, they're always talking like, God, I never talk about, right. you know, like what I do. And, and I feel like it's an important thing to talk about because quite frankly, I don't think it's normal to want to promote yourself 24, exactly. especially uncomfortable. Yeah. As like, like well, it's not about entrepreneurs, like me. I want to do it. Yeah. I do it. But then I think the inverse is having the relationship with, oh, this is what gets the attention. This is what inspires people. This is what they're like, wow, I can do that too. Because every time we promote ourselves, every time we share our stories, every time we are willing to be like, this is who I am of what I've done, we write permission slips for other people to be like, God, I can do that. Or look, I was there. And I think that's been part of it. Because like when we were going through this and you were having that clarity, my brain's like, me too, me too, Mm -hmm. me too. And like even some of my team, they're like, I didn't know you did that. Right. I didn't know about that. Like I forgot too. Yeah, seriously, I do because I'm like, this, this is just not my life anymore. Yeah. And it's not my life anymore for a reason, which that reason leads into what I'm doing now. So yep. like we just forget that. And so that, that was some of the takeaways that I had about what I have to do, like stepping into the woman that you want to become. I mm-hmm. want to become so that I can have these things. And it's not so that I can have these things. It's so that I can fully build the thing I want to build. Totally. So that I can serve the audience that I want to serve. And then so some of the action from my, that I woke up today and I'm like, because then I did get clarity. I'm yep. like, oh, because I lived in this ambiguous <laughs> land. And so we did this really powerful exercise over the last couple of days where it just really helped you drill down what the action steps were to actually get to those things. And some of the action steps for me was just around, number one, taking care of the current clients that I have. Number two, like also making sure I'm actively promoting my offers. Of course I do, like when you're in a launch mode or things like that, but there's so many other ways to be actively promoting what you have, even Mm -hmm. if you're not in a launch stage. Mm -hmm. And so one of those being, I have a membership, and one of those being, woke up today and again because I have an amazing team now I don't have to go do all this yep but it was like oh we need to I need to get a handle on when the when did our members join like when did they have an anniversary coming up what are some ways that I could surprise and delight them what are some ways and so I immediately started offloading that to my team and giving them the assignments yep so now that's already in action and being handled and getting the report, actually, it's already done. My team's already emailed me back. Here you go. You're like, like, I'm trying to relax in Montana. Take, yeah, I'm like, okay, now, take like an extra now day. they put the ball back in my court again. But like, they already got done because once I have the clarity, then it's you take action. Yep. And so when you aren't taking action, it's such a huge signal that you don't have clarity. Yep. And that you're probably playing like George and I play, right? We're yep. living up here in our head and just being real free about stuff and not being really clear. I think a lot of it is like understanding your strengths. Like one of my strengths in marketing and in business is my ability to play up in the clouds and think about things and then understand. Yeah. There's really two ways to get the clarity is either you have to willingly land on the ground and be like, cool, I have to do it. Or you have to have a team or a process around yourself to allow you to ideate that process because you can hear it all ideas without execution or poop and blah, blah, blah. And it's all really true. And it's just really being self-aware of like where that ambiguity is coming from because there's times to be dreaming and bring it down. And so one of the things, and I said it earlier, and we actually talked about this a lot, and it's the first time I've said this when you guys were in the room. I was like, you either have to outsource 
the input or the outcome. Mm -hmm. And really, but what you just said is that all of our action comes from clarity and any stuckness, stagnation, frustration, anxiety is basically we have an energy or something to be given somewhere, but we don't know where to put it. Yeah. We don't know how to go do more family time or we don't know it's about to go fill our tank or to do breath work or to go work out or to go launch a program or tell my team. And you said something earlier that I would love to hear because I know what I struggled with hiring my first employee years ago is always, oh, I want you to do all the things. I wanted to offload so much, but I didn't even know what to offload. And then I would go through employee after employee, assistant after assistant. And then I was like, oh, I'm the common denominator. Like there really can't be this many bad ones that I found. I'm like, I need to look in the mirror. And so how did you go about going from just to one to like everything? What was that process like for you to get yourself to where you are now to where you're like, I have an amazing team. I have all this time. I'm coming to Montana for seven days. Yeah. I also made those same mistakes. I (laughs) hired people and paid them whatever they wanted, you know, to charge me. And then I was like, you just tell me what you think you can do. You tell me what you think, you know, would help me in my business. That's like the worst thing ever. Yes. Talk about ambiguity once again. So I wasn't clear. I didn't, again, this goes back to tight containers. Like once you start to understand where you're leaking Mm -hmm. and you have to just evaluate that, you have to like get really honest with yourself and figure out what are the tasks that, as you call them, queen bee rolls that. I can't really outsource. Yeah. Like I'm the one that has to get on the client calls. I'm the one that actually has to create the content because it's my intellectual property. Yep. I'm the one that gets to, because this is a choice, have some fun around the creativity of things. I direct the brand a little bit. I direct the vision of the videos a little bit because I have a little bit of background doing that. So that's really important. But those are those things that may not be a, a income producing needle mover, but they're extremely important to me. Yep. And that gives me oxygen. Yep. So I need to play in that space because it allows me to continue to be very high vibe in my business. But definitely the needle movers, being on the client calls, creating the content, creating the programs. I'm doing a large event in my community next week. So like I have to plan that and think about that, work with the speakers, work with all that to make sure. No, I'm not really behind the scenes of that event, but I'm the brainchild of it. And so those are my skill sets. Those are my strengths. So that's what I need to be doing. I have a podcast. Those are those things that nobody can go record that podcast for me. So you can't have Tyler here. You could. I could. And it would just eventually be Tyler's podcast. It would be the mind of Tyler show. Yeah. It would be the mind of George. So those are the things. Yeah. And so in the beginning, I didn't do all that. I was just like, I I literally was waiting for the VA to tell me what I needed. And so that was a horrible, disastrous couple of VAs that I went through. Not that they were bad VAs, but I was a horrible boss is really what it was. And so finally it was looking at those things and actually writing down my tasks. Like what the hell do I do every day? And like playing on social media is not necessarily a needle mover like it can be if you're communicating with people and like really developing those relationships having conversations in the dms and finding the people that are your ideal client yeah but then pressing publish on a post that could have been pre-planned and pre-scheduled months ago which we now do yeah that's a task i can offload totally so that's how i started to create space in my business because i was doing all those things mm-hmm. so now that someone's in, in the business doing that for me 
it's just created so much more space so that I can come to Montana. Like I'm in Montana and stuff is still getting published to social media while I'm away, but it's relevant. So yeah, you have a you have an event. I have an next event week. next week, so promotion's still happening. Yeah. You know? No, I, I love that, and I also there's so many threads underneath that one, but I think it's really imperative that we have an honest conversation with ourselves about yes. where we spend our time because none of us are above it. Like all of us, like even my friends that do 500 million a year yeah. and their systems and processes, kings and queens, they're like, no, I was on social media too much. Like I oh, was yeah. just kind of like uh, my favorite one, looking for inspiration. Yeah, right? <laughs> that <laughs> like, came up. Yeah, that came up. Quote unquote, bit. looking yeah. for inspiration. Yeah. And, I, and then I respond, I was like, well, consume your intuition. Uh, yeah. That's the space <laughs> that you need. And I think I'm going to ask you a question about this because I would love to hear this because this came up for me, but I always love everybody's perspective. One of the things that I struggled with a lot that I don't anymore was I was setting unrealistic expectations to my outsourcing. And so I had this like fear of letting go because I was like, what if it's not perfect or what if it doesn't look like this or what if it doesn't go as planned? Like, how do you mitigate that? And what was that feeling like for you? In the beginning, it is hard because this is your baby, especially as entrepreneurs. We've built this, these businesses from our head and then the ground up, a mutual mastermind member, Julie, I was at lunch with her today and she's built these, this amazing business mm-hmm. truly from her desire to lose weight and get fit. And I told her today, I'm like, Julie, you've built this business from your body. Yeah. Like it comes out of us. And so it's hard to let go of that control in the beginning. And especially when, if you're a communicator, you have a certain voice and I have, I've hired copywriters and people to come and do that thing for me before. And that's when I realized that that's not where I need to outsource someone else that may be where they need to Mm -hmm. outsource. That wasn't it for me because I'm so particular about my voice and how it comes across and I want to Aprilize everything and no one else can really do that for me and that's important to me so it could be a needle mover to outsource that but I choose not to Mm -hmm. because I outsource other things so you have to I think there's some give and take in there but you also have to learn to you have to indoctrinate your own team yes you have to really show them and teach them and be patient with them and not have these high expectations. The expectation is that actually you actually have to be the leader and the CEO of your business. And you can't expect them to read your brain and be mind readers. They're not. Yep. And really evaluate that. And so once I started to realize those were all the mistakes that I made before yep. when I didn't hire well, then when I really made the commitment to make that change and do better, those are the things that I've put in to the point that while I was here this week and that I do have a person on my team that helps me write the emails now. Yep. And what's shocking about this, George, is that English is not her first language. She's probably better at it because it's not. And she really writes these gorgeous emails in my voice that nothing really has gone out where that I don't put my final stamp on it. Yep. But this week, I haven't actually had a whole lot of time because they're pushing so much stuff out right now because of our event that I finally sent the two of them, one for my social media and one for the email communications. I sent them both a message and I was like, I trust you. Don't wait for my approval because this week is too critical. Yep. So just get it out. And what's the end of the, what are they going to exactly. screw up? It's social media. It's an email. Exactly. Like, and we're not going to burn the house down. Totally. It's seven days of me being gone. I yep. have to have... I have to show them that I trust them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, there's so much gold in that. I, I totally agree. For me in the beginning, it was, I had unrealistic expectations of myself. And yeah. so then I would pass those down. Yeah. And then I also, it took me, God, 10 years to learn 
that no one is ever going to love my business as much as I do. Nobody. That's my job. That's your job. That is That's my your queen job. Role. That is my <laughs> queen bee role. And all credit to Mike Michalowicz on queen bee role. If you haven't read the book Clockwork, it's yeah. an amazing book on where you figure out how to spend your time. But then once I really started to understand that, I was like, I was also getting frustrated because I was outsourcing too much, like ambiguity and pressure. And I was like, it's also not my team's job to own the vision of my business. No. Nope. Their job is to come in and they're like, I'm a part of the team. I want to play. And you right. said something so important that I don't think enough people talk about. And you say, you have to indoctrinate your team. Just like we indoctrinate our customers, customer journey. You have yeah. to give the team that and same we, training. And you don't indoctrinate your team by being like, here's an SOP. No. Here's a boom. It's you got to get them into the culture, right? You I have get to them have, into the vision. Yes. And they have to feel a part of that vision. And they had to feel it from day one because yep. I actually hired from that standpoint. As you should. And if they didn't see that vision or believe in my vision, then they they would not have gotten hired. I mean, a tangible, and you'll hear this for the first time, but you're at an event that we're running. My staff, you've seen my staff. I have five staff members. We ran an event five times this size with 13 staff members, and it didn't even come close to the efficiency in this space. And there were some culture vultures that snuck by and they were initially indoctrinated, but it's always, hey, are you still in with the vision? Are you still here with this? Because at the end of the day, we're all out here playing a game and there's no guarantee you win the game, but there's always a guarantee that you can train with the right team and play with the right team and stay with the right team. And I think that's such an important, an important point. Like now, like, when people come in and we're like, hey, listen to 10 podcasts of George and make sure you can stand his voice. Yeah. Because he talks a lot. Yeah. And he's because getting, you got to get used to that. You got to get used to me talking a lot. And everyone's like, we love it. We love it. We're like, oh, if you pass the George test, then, then you can come into the yeah, team. Yeah, that's an indoctrination. Yeah, yes, I absolutely. love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. And and kudos too, because one of the things that I think is really interesting, my queen bee role is to create content, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, my team is, you're the relationship guy. Go be in relationships, create content. And then I find other spots to play in. And I used to think that I was the only one who could own George's voice. I realize now after having two years with the same teammate who does it now, they do my voice better than me because they don't have my current emotional state in that moment that I'm feeling. And they can modulate and say things clearer and they do it. And I was like, God, you guys make me sound. And my wife's now I can tell. Yeah. And she's there so much better than you. And I was like, yeah, that's good. And she's like, I can tell when it's you and I can tell when it's them. And I love that. Well, this is how you and I are so similar because we're both just, we just, we're, we're, we orate. We just want to talk. That's all we want to do. And so video, you know, podcasting, Facebook lives, this kind of stuff. I could do this all day. Me too. And, but if I, because I'm not really, I'm not sitting here reading a script. Yeah. Just like going off the experiences and the knowledges that I have. And so sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. Like it's just like, it's like kind of an out of body experience. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully there's something in there that like they can, there's some meat. And so what Christine, my team member is so good at is like taking that meat from the audio Mm -hmm. and then recap, repackaging it into social media content or emails or whatever and it's still my voice because yeah. she took it straight from there, but she just she changed it over to a different communication form. Yep. And I love that. And so uh, they're no doubt better at it than us because honestly, we're too close to it sometimes. Thousand too. percent. Oh, I take it all so personally sometimes, and yeah. I have to have a healthy relationship. But what I love too, and I'm hearing you say this, is that you create 
a culture in your team and you indoctrinate them into like, this is the vision, this is where it is. And it sounds like then you give it to them and you're like, hey, now you grow it. Like yeah. it's yours. You plant it, you water it, you make it better. And that's, I think, one of the best things ever because I, I talk a lot about this like with private clients. Like one of the things that I see now is like, Everything we do changes every day, right? The marketing, the social media, the messaging, the current state of the world. And I think for years, it was really simple to be like, here's your SOP, here's your process. And it's now you really have to give your team outcomes and you have to allow them to own the outcome. And it's, hey, here's the bumpers. But as long as you stay within them or get back in them, I want you to play your way. And I think you do that so well. Even when you're like, oh, yeah, I sent it out. They write the emails. They extrapolate it. Like, it's really that team environment that brings it all together. I mean, it's community. Like and community. I'm not gonna do this by myself. Totally. Like I said in the beginning, like having it's just it's not a solo journey. But to me, life is so much more fun in community anyway. So for me to have this team now is it's the blessing to me because I like I actually have people to talk to about this stuff and they are helping me and they're seeing the vision, but they're owning it too. So we an hour conversation mentality versus mine and I. I'm not saying go get my members or go get my community. It's, hey, let's check our our community, what's going on there today? Or let's go look at our members, our membership or our clients. It's not my client, it's our clients. And so you just have to understand that it's all part of, you call it your ecosystem, but like your team is part of your community internally. Totally, and I think, and that's such a perfect point because I feel like you are the absolute queen of community. And I feel like your community is so strong because you create such an internal community. And then like, you're the Texas woman with the custom made table that like get everybody over for dinner. But I feel like you bring that energy mm-hmm. and that intention, that love into kind of what you do, which I think is a perfect question for me now. Give me the story arc of how April ended up here as mm-hmm. the woman who helps other women unlock their voice and shine light and men. And, yeah, men, and men and help men I don't leave the men out share and express their story but you've been around shows on HGTV producing pulling stories like where did it begin mm-hmm. and like how do we get to here it is a wild ride like anyone <laughs> <laughs> this road to entrepreneurship is very windy and curvy but I work in the world of storytelling and storytelling as I look back on my life now I can see how it has been thread through everything even starting out as a child just mm. always writing in my journal and creating stories in my journal, emoting in my journal, like really processing all those things. So words and understanding that words had power. And I just discovered that for myself as a young girl. I have two older brothers. I have an older brother and older sister. They were much, much older than me. So I was a third child that was really raised almost like an only child Mm. because they were just already in college by the time I was coming up. There was a lot. I didn't have like people to play with other than like my friends, but like at home, I was often just by myself, but that was actually such a gift because that's where I discovered a lot of this. So fast forward, I really get into the world of storytelling because I was pretty fascinated by it. And I'm one of those weird people that went into college and was like really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Most of people go into college and change their major 20,000 times and then get out and change their career 20,000 more times. And that's cool too. That's just part of different people's path. And for me, I uh, studied journalism and started out as a news broadcaster and anchor, worked for CBS television affiliates around the country, going out and chasing fire trucks and ambulances and bad guys and all that kind of stuff and telling really 
crappy stories on the evening news. <laughs> and I thought, and everyone else in my life thought, she's made it. Like, mm. what a cool job. She's on TV. And secretly, I was going home every single night, and I was having panic attacks. Mm. And I felt like an 800-pound elephant was sitting on my chest. And my husband, we, I think we were dating at the time, but we were there. He was with me, and he was like, what is wrong with you? Mm. And I'm like, I can't breathe. I cannot breathe because I am tasked every day with going out and telling bad news mm. in my sunny disposition. I I'm sure like, do. That is not who I am. And while I love the work, I loved getting to go and interview people and get those stories out of them. And I learned so much like in that period of my life because I learned, I think one of the most important things that I learned that now serves me today is I learned how to get people to trust me very quickly. Because mm -hmm. I had about 2.2 seconds before I was going to pull my microphone out and ask a question with somebody who maybe had just been accused of murder mm -hmm. to get them to talk to me. Mm. And I had to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I did. So I decided, though, early in my career, that was not going to continue to be my path. And so I ended up leaving. And what I really took from that is I want to find a way to tell people's stories because what I knew about the guy that just got accused of murder is that there was more to his story than that one action that now was making the headline yeah and so we're so much more people have so much more complexity like you have a multi-layered story you are not just a marine mm -hmm. that had that experience on your deployments. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a big part of your story, you're more than that. So I just was always really fascinated by that. And I wanted to find a way to tell people's stories. And I left that and my career took some twists and turns. I continued to work in video storytelling, digital content, helping brands tell their story. And then I did a stint with HGTV, doing creating content for them, writing scripts, hosted a few shows, HGTV, DIY, Food Network, all of that, and landed some really cool gigs. But eventually, it just got to the point in my career that I was like, had done a lot of really cool things. But I was like, I still feel like there's more. Mm. This, there's this space up here that there's still more to be done to pull more of those stories to the forefront and let those have a headline. And it was really at that time with social media, I looked at social media and I'm like, oh my gosh, just, why is everyone else not so excited about this? Because <laughs> you could be sharing your story. You don't have to wait for a video producer or mm -hmm. a reporter to be knocking on your door to get sent to you. I worked with a lot of brands and told success stories and testimonial stories and stories that got told at conferences. And I didn't want people to have to wait for someone to tell them their story mattered. Mm. And so that was really the light bulb moment. I was like, I can go on social media and start finding a way to encourage people and teach people how to share their story. Because I actually know how to tell the story. Like, I know how to pull it out of people. But most people don't. And I didn't see people taking advantage of using social media in a positive way mm -hmm. by sharing those stories and creating their own headlines. Mm -hmm. And so... That was really the creation of Light Beamers during that time. It was just the vision of that is the piece that's really been missing from my career that I really want to go do now. And I just built it. I don't know. I just didn't want to wait any longer. I just <laughs> had a vision and just started doing it. And it didn't look like it looks like today. Never at does. All. It was very different 
but it's now working with women primarily and a few men to help them pull out those stories so that they can create their headlines in life and they can create their headlines in business and that they can know that their story has a place, that they understand how to make sense of that story, that there's a lot of pieces and complexities to our story, but there are highlights that can be pulled up to really illustrate the whole journey that you've been on Mm -hmm. and what matters to you and what's important to you. And a lot of times people, especially entrepreneurs, a lot of times our businesses and our brands are born from that story. Yep. And so if you're not paying attention to what your story is, you might not be quite on your right path yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's really powerful. So that's light beamers. I'd say so. I love it. I love it. What do you think is your favorite part? What's your like fill your tank moment when you like help unlock somebody's story? What does that feel like? What does that mean? I got one this morning from after a member of my community watched that Facebook live yesterday mm-hmm. and it hearing me share a piece of my story in this journey, just a blip of what's going on in this week and like some of my takeaways about how I was playing small. She had a massive realization And she private messaged me and she, number one, thanked me for, number one, being brave and showing up and sharing that story. And then number two, she's like, I so see where I'm playing small now. Mm. And she knew specifically what she was hiding behind. And she named it Mm. in that message to me. And it's, it's one thing to, oh, thank you. You're so inspiring. Thanks for sharing your story. But it's something else when someone says, I see myself in your story. And now I get it. Like what you shared has unlocked something in me. And that's actually the power we all have because I see it every day. Then someone else, then hopefully one day she'll go share that story. Mm -hmm. And she'll talk about how she was playing small and she was hiding behind the thing she was hiding behind. And someone else is going to hear that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to do that for another woman also. Mm -hmm. Like that ripple effect is... Yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Not ev- everything we do as human beings is built around story. It is. Absolutely everything. And I'm going to ask you a question because I would love to hear this because there were there was a good chunk of my life that I thought I was using story, but I was manipulating with mm-hmm. story. And it, it took me a lot of time and pain and resistance to realize that I was actually using like a false narrative or a shallow story to hide behind. Yep. And one of the things that I know that you do and I witness you do is like you unlock people's hearts to really have them own their story and then be willing to share. Because I never realized that only sharing a part of the story didn't have an impact like sharing the whole story did. And it came across as bad and it pushed people away. And I'm very different on interviews now than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. So what do you think is the first step for somebody When it comes to really telling their story, what's the most important thing that they know they focus on or that they can work on and really starting to unlock the power of their story? They're going to have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. They're going to have to get really comfortable with this idea that you're going to have to tap into your vulnerability. You're going to have to get really comfortable with this concept of being seen and heard. And that's, people say they want to be seen and heard and innately (laughs) we do innately that we really is one of our biggest desires as humans is to truly be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. I felt very witnessed and seen and heard yesterday. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt uncomfortable. Totally. I think it's finding a relationship with it as well, because I think 
and I think all of us and most, mostly all of us have a story, but a lot of times stories are built through resistance. It's not, oh, rainbows, unicorns, cool story. <laughs> like it's through the evolution of growth, the personal ascension, the developing our kind of paradigm in the world through the resistance that we face. And I feel like a lot of times in the world that we've grown up in and lived in is like that resistance hardens the emotion and it's a no. And then what we really work on is for me, at least practicing stories started to unlock that emotion again and unlock that vulnerability and unlock parts of me to open back up to then use the story as a tool. And like when you started using a story from that perspective, how did you feel sharing that story? Like how did that story Yeah, I'll actually, I, I can tell you the first story I ever shared from my heart. I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was the first time I felt like I wasn't pretending to be myself. Yes. And I want to say that again because yeah. I felt like I was pretending to be myself instead of being myself. Yeah. And so it was freeing. It was like literally getting rocket shipped out into outer space, but with the best feeling ever, like no attachment, no fear, no shame, no fault, no guilt. Like it was this experience that I could only really describe as living. And I, I would relate it to what it felt like when I held my child for mm -hmm. the first time. Like that pure presence in that pure moment. I don't care where I came from. I don't care where I'm going. But like in this moment, I'm holding this bundle of love that is my son. In that moment of my story, I felt like I was holding myself in the moment for the gift that I was by just existing and not having any of the story, which is such an interesting concept. And it was like once I really fully owned my story, it no longer owned me. Oh. That was what I was getting ready to say. That's the piece of it is that when you are using the story for all the wrong reasons or hiding behind that story, not sharing the story, not wanting to get uncomfortable with it and all those things or letting the story of the story, like the, the shame, the guilt, the regret, the fear, the failure, all those things, you're just dragging that along mm -hmm. and you're letting that story have power over you, mm -hmm. which is the thing that keeps a lot of people quiet or using the story in the wrong way for manipulative reasons, really playing super small, all those things. Yep. And then when you learn to harness the power of that story, which you do that by really learning first, what is the story? Like really, what is it? Examining it and then like finding the message in it. And then, oh, that could actually help somebody else. Maybe I'll share it. And then you go share it because we all learn through story. We all like like the, the woman who private messaged me today. I don't think she would have had that realization had I not shown up and shared a piece of my story, like just percent. a snippet. And now she's been able to unlock that piece and it, like not holding that power over her now because now she knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that's so it. It's freeing and it's releasing the power. And so then you have the opportunity to harness that power yep. and use that story in a positive way that feels yep. good. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like expressing story is a part of the process to finding the message in the story. The message, yes. And like Mel Robbins said, there's always a message in the mess. Like you can hear yeah. it however you want. And and I want I want a distinction for everybody because I feel like the term manipulation has a negative connotation. Right. And not always. I would hide behind my story because I was afraid to feel a connection yeah, with my wife. For you, my yeah. My son, my like whatever. Like it was a protective one to... Yeah. To, to hide the wound that was created when the story was created. It, and it, it gave me this illusion of safety, yeah. right? At the cost of disconnection. 
Yeah. And so it's just this really interesting thing because now, and one of the big distinctions, even in business, is the moment you own your story and you really own it, not judging it, not and not advocating any result or consequence that came from it, but really being fully witness to it is when it gives you the greatest gift as a human being, which is the ability to be proactive and present and not reactive mm-hmm. to the emotion. Because I've created wounds in this world. Yeah. And I've, I do a lot of work. I do a lot of studying. I do a lot of you know, consciousness work and all of it. And like some of the simplest concepts, once you nail a nail into a fence and you pull it out, the hole doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. But that also doesn't mean I have to hit another nail in the fence. Right. And the fence still stands. And so it's how I see that relationship with the fence and how I made those holes that determines if I make any more. And I will tell you, in my opinion, one of the biggest ways for the fence to feel safe is to acknowledge that I put the holes in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that can only really come from fully owning the story. Yeah. Because I never struggled to own the circumstances or the label of the story or the story of the story. But then I would justify the results of the story because I was afraid to feel what that caused. Yeah. And when you say you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, I've never been uncomfortable expressing my story, any part of it. I've always been uncomfortable feeling the feelings that my story created. That's why there's a difference with people telling their story without emotion. And a lot of times people tell that story in chronological order and it reads like a resume. That would be me. That is not a story. No. (laughs) You're not telling us anything. Yep. And it's real. Honestly, it's quite boring and nobody's going to listen to that. (laughs) So the realness of it, the emotion of it, because the thing of it is, too, with story is we're on this planet. We play in a world where it's a global world. And there's people in your audience that speak multiple languages, different languages. They live in different countries. English is not their first language. They may not even speak English. We don't know. Yep. And then we come from different cultures and different backgrounds and different socioeconomic statuses and all those things. So those are all languages that we bring to the table, but we may not all speak them. Mm -hmm. But the one universal language we all speak is emotion. Yep. I know what happiness feels like, sadness feels like, fear, despair, all those things. Joy, we know what that feels like. So if you can really tap into the emotion of your story, then first of all, you got to feel it. And that's mm-hmm. why it's uncomfortable and vulnerable. And that's what people are hiding behind the most by not telling their story. And it's the one thing that will unlock the story for you. So much truth in all of that. I'm feeling it all right now. And it's like, yep, speaking my language. Yep, that was me. I was like, I had the resume nailed. And yeah. I would even act the resume and modulate the resume. What's really interesting is one thing I noticed too is that once somebody owns their story, they can always tell when you're not owning yours. Oh, yeah. Because I was blessed to be around some amazing, incredible, powerful people like my wife. Yeah. My wife's owned her story for a long time. Yeah. And she's, uh-uh go back outside. Yeah. You go sleep on the couch. Like, yeah. no, no, no. None of that is welcome here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I really resonate a lot with what you're saying. Really, in, in, and as maybe esoteric and cheesy as this sounds, it's like, why wouldn't I just live in the moment with who I am? Because really, I am who I am regardless of how I choose to see it. Like, no matter whether I own my story or not, I still am that person. And it's like creating this false resistance to prevent myself from feeling joy or feeling present. And I will say the owning of my story, the expression of my story has probably been the biggest key 
to joy and presence in my entire life. Hands down. I, I, a thousand percent. Hands down. Because it's, you said the word earlier, it's freedom. It really, really is. It's, it's freedom. And I've met so many inspiring people that like, you know what else is true? And I think this is really, God, this is such a good topic. I'm like getting excited about it. And I feel like we're so cracked open because we've been working on this (laughs) for four days. But I actually feel like one of the greatest gifts that I got is when I owned my story, I was able to see humanity. Yeah. I've been in your world a long time. And George, one of the things that I've seen is the way that you do own and show up now sharing your story. And it's the reason why you have the business that you have today. There is, and you had a successful business before. Yeah, it was run by a narcissist. But it's different now. Yeah, like it's this very is different. felt. Like you had a business before, but I wasn't your client. You have totally. a business now, and I'm your client. Like because there's, there is, that story piece of it and the humanity of it, and just that your heart is felt. Yeah. And we wouldn't be able to feel your heart if you weren't sharing authentically your story. And you did share story before, but it just, there was, it was coming from a place that's not the same as where it comes from now. Yeah. My story came from the wound. It did come from the wound. And not the witness. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be like impeccable yeah, with you sayings lately. to have validation and a totally. lot of those things. And what's interesting is I even love that we can talk about this because I look at it now and I am incredibly proud of the fact that I'm able to do the work I do today. Because if you wrote part of my story on a piece of paper, I'm like, that person's dead. Mm-hmm. Like they're dead. There's no way. That person is not a father, not a bonus father, not a husband, like no way. And it's really incredible. The superpower that's unlocked by really owning and owning your story. And I'm just blessed that you help people do this. And I feel like your presence in my life, because it was pretty consistent. And it was always, you show up in your story, own your story. And then you also protect yourself by allowing people in when they own theirs. Mm-hmm. And you were always, and, and like I say this, you've, your community is called Light Beamers, but you are a bright light. And it's felt like, I'll never forget, like you joined my Facebook group. And I was like, who is this woman? (laughs) Light beamers? I'm here for it. And you're like, I resonate with your message. I'm like, yours is brighter than mine. Like, I love this. And it was always that energy. And I feel like just your presence and how you help people on their story and yours makes yours brighter. And it's, it's an absolute gift. Like you're not a client, you're family. Yes, I know. I am family. You're family. Yes, absolutely. And like, and I'll share this. Last night was a gift to my family at dinner. Like, my 16-year-old daughter. George, we're not, we can't cry on this. Don't make me cry. <laughs> How about you don't cry? I just cry because I've had you crying for three we days. Have, we've been recording forever and now we're going to start crying. Oh, because last night. I'm like, with this, these people out here don't even know what the hell we're talking about. But I'm going to say it to you. That was such a... It is... in. I've had a lot of dinners around some amazing dinner tables, and that was one of the best nights around a dinner table I've had. Yeah. It was just so incredibly powerful. And the fact that she was there. Yeah. And she just sat and just soaked it all in. It's like at the end of the night, she's kind of, I have something to say. Yeah. Just, oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
And then wow. my quote unquote 16 year old with an 80 year old soul yeah. of wisdom and heart just yeah. drops it. And we even got in the car and she's, I had so much to say, but that's all you got. And I was like, baby, that was perfect. And was I started so bawling in the car and she was, we were driving home and she's, that was incredible to be in and to witness. And that's what you do. And I was like, that's what I do now. That's what I do now that I own my story. Yeah. And what I want to do. And even to the point now where my wife called me this morning and she's after she dropped my kids off at school and she's Cheyenne told me in the car and she's that was so powerful. I'm going to say this to you. And she's I've been at those dinners with you, babe. You've had dinners with 40 people, 50 people, 60 people, 10 people. And she's just hearing about the dinner. She's I'm so glad that you found your people. Mm-hmm. And I like in my brain, I'm like, I'm glad I found myself. Yes. Because that's, that's what you really, found first. Yeah. really at the core of it. Because you, if you hadn't gone through the work and like doing all this deep work that you are doing, the story would have just continued to be the old crap you were sharing. And so now you have found truly who you are by examining that story and owning it. And that's what's so gorgeous about, obviously it's affecting and allowing you to grow, rebirth your own business in a way that feels really genuine and authentic and in alignment, but also that your family, like your daughter and your wife are noticing and witnessing the change in you and what, like how you're leading people Mm -hmm. and how you're leading them. Mm Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah, be crying all day now. Oh my gosh, I know. And like, we got to okay. we, we get to start again tomorrow. We got fifty plus entrepreneurs on airplanes right now yeah. on their way to this location. Yes. So we get to light get to them up with stories too. <laughs> my wife's like, "You're sadistic doing this seven days in a row." It's a lot. And I was like, "Maybe." It's a lot. I was like, "Well, I I know my story now, so I can do it." Yeah. I'm like, this is easy compared to some of the others. I actually feel like facilitating deep transformational business work, marketing work, and newsflash, get on this a lot. Like business is just a tool, but the human going into business is it's the secret. It's always about that. And I say this, I've hid behind this for a long time. Like if you don't catch the fact that I do mindset work and yeah. breath work and personal development work and all of it, I just talk about it as we're doing work on the human, like on the car, whatever part of the car we need. The engine is the breath. The interior is the work in the container. The exterior is your marketing. And I was like, but it's people. And and I will say that I've actually been afraid to own that. Yeah. And, And I was like, no, like this is the work. This is the work that really makes a difference. And I will say that facilitating that work, like watching you guys, oh, yesterday's practice. And for anybody listening, you want to know what this practice is, you get into the mastermind because that's about the only way you get it. But yesterday's practice, I swear, you guys changed the tone of this town in the practice yesterday. Yeah, we all felt huge shifts. Huge. Because there was massive clarity yeah. you know, that came. But it, that, like that exercise could not have come on day one. Like, no, you know, like no, you had no, to, no. We had to go do some really crazy stuff. Like <laughs> some, of <it> was, <laughs> some of it we're still processing, but... It was all good. But yeah, it the clarity that came from doing the work. Like and the fact that you do share now openly, like right now, this is what I do. It's about the deep work. It's yeah. breath work. It's personal development and growth and yeah. jumping in cold lakes and that. I didn't make you guys jump in the no, cold. Every like- everybody's actually shocked. And they're like, you didn't. I'm like, because that's not leadership is forcing somebody in the cold. I'm like, leadership is an invitation when they choose to take it. And it's funny that this happened, though, because one of my team members came up to me this morning, right before you got here, said, when are we going back to your house to jump in the lake? And I was like, told you. (laughs) 
I told you. Yeah. I love it. No, I and what I wanted to say earlier, just to wrap this open loop, it's only been open for like four minutes, but it's bothering me. <laughs> okay, let's the, get back to it. The part of facilitating seven days of training. Yeah. Right? Like we, like just for you guys listening, like the mastermind, like I, I get here at 5.30 in the morning. You guys get in the room at nine. You guys leave six. I get home at 10. Yeah. And, and those are long days. They feel like cake compared to hiding behind my story. Yes. Because the level of exhaustion that comes of trying to live mask. a lie to live a lie yes right and remember sure the version knows. the linear story yes. the order of operations yes. and if you want to really hear it go listen to any podcast interview i did five years ago or longer and you'll get the entire story of my pain in 90 seconds yeah and literally identical it was identical you had it down and i still remember it yeah but now when people interview me and they're like, so tell me how you got here. And I'm like, I have a cringe moment. Like I get like mm-hmm. gooseys and oh, I don't want to say that again. I'm like, no, let's go here. Let's talk about how it felt and like why it came from. Because I was like, I was boom, this, boom, this, but And like death and destruction and addiction and all of it. And so when you said that about like the linear story, like that really landed. And so I think I'm just going to challenge everybody listening to, to really find a deep relationship with your story. Yeah. And what would be a way that like people can start exploring their story at a deeper level? It's daily work. I even in my community, I provide a lot of story prompts uh, that are different every week, and that's one of the reasons is because it's not like one thing, like one question yep. that's going to uncover your story. And I can provide like a, a simple formula yeah. that helps you get like big picture view of like how to tell a good story, which is there, but really to do the deep work around story it's layers and layers and layers like it's not it's you got to be ready for it you got to like really want to sign up for it but daily prompts and daily excavation and asking yourself some really good questions and I provide a lot of those questions if people need help with that to like really start to uncover Mm. some of these stories and there are stories that we're all hanging on to myself included that I haven't uncovered yet totally like Stuff that I've forgotten about that's probably in my inner soul just festering and causing me to not want to step outside my (laughs) comfort zone. Like, it's all there. But the more that we do this work and the more that we practice storytelling, it's the reason why I took the last 15 minutes of the day and pushed myself to go do that Facebook Live and in that moment share with my community because it's like... If I just hold on to all of this, like you say, I'm just hoarding the potential. Hoarding the potential. And I'm not going to hoard the potential. It Like we have to practice it. We have to be in active practice of it. So a place to start is just like journaling, doing yep. some free writing exercises. A lot of people like roll their eyes at that stuff, but you and I don't because we know it's the I do. I do free oration. You can do free oration. I yeah. record audios yes, to myself, absolutely. videos, all that stuff. Yeah. And some, and I teach a practice, and I'll share this with your audience because it's a really good one, of just finding a found object every day. So I love this story prompt, and I use it a lot for content creation. Mm-hmm. Like you could go back and find some stuff, and you're like, oh, now I see it now. <laughs> so this is a little ninja hack, but it's just a found object. And so if you go throughout your day, and really what it is awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Like great storytellers are not unaware. True. They're actually awake people yes, yes so first of all you have to practice being an aware being aware so if that if you're not really sure this that's why I found object is really great so if you go throughout your day the challenge is to 
tell yourself to look for the found object. And a found object is anything, that's how I describe it, it's anything that it j jumps out at you, that is different, that is unusual, makes you laugh, makes you question, makes you curious, or you notice an exchange, like we could be sitting here in the hotel and be sitting across the lobby and notice an exchange between two employees and make up some sort of story about totally. what their conversation is. But it's got you curious and it's got you leaning in. It might be taking a walk and you look down and there's a heart-shaped leaf. Mm. It might be looking up in the sky and seeing bunny ears in the clouds. It could be whatever, but it's something that catches your attention mm. because when it catches your attention that's a clue that there's something there to be dissected a little bit further so i, I just call that. those things found objects so that when you see those or you notice those you want to take a mental note mm -hmm. and if you don't have time right then and there most of us don't you can use that as a journaling practice at the end of the day and say what was my found object of the day and you're going to start practicing being aware. And so, so when you find that found object, then I want you to tell the story of that found object. So I'll give you a really quick example. I was in San Diego and a lot of people go to conferences in San Diego. So sure right do. there, like, you know, where the conference yep. center is. And I was walking, I was at a conference. And so I got up that morning and I was going to do a quick workout. So I did, did a little, you know, jog up and down the boardwalk there where all those big boats come in. Yep. And this particular day, I go out, and there's this big kind of crowd congregating around this one boat that was just like this super yacht. Like, definitely the biggest boat there, but mm -hmm. the biggest boat by 10 times yep. bigger than any other boat in the harbor, which in San Diego, there's already some, there's some pretty big boats incredible down there. boats. Yep. So anyway, I was like, okay, interesting. That's a really large boat. Definitely the largest that I'd ever seen outside of a cruise ship, but it was a personal yep. motorcraft, right? Somebody's personal boat. Noted. Do my walk, do my run, come back. There's still people there congregating, taking the pictures and everything. And then I noticed the name of the boat said, here comes the sun. Mm -hmm. And I sat there for a minute and I'm like, this is a found object, April. <laughs> like, why is this boat? Like, it is so, you know, so in my face. It's so different. It's out of place here because it's so much bigger than all these other boats. And for me, I was able to turn that into a story as someone who talks about story to her audience. And I said... Isn't this just like our stories? These other boats that are in the harbor are exquisite boats all by themselves. But now this big guy came in and we sit here and all we're doing is thinking how amazing this super yacht is. Here comes the sun, this incredible boat. Would I, I would love to get on that boat and be a part of, get to take a trip on that boat. Meanwhile, these other boats in the harbor, if, some, if the boat owner invited me on their boat, Mm -hmm. and invited me to take a tour, go out on the water on that smaller boat, and I'm putting smaller yep. in air quotes, that boat is still an amazing boat just yep. because some other big boat came in. And so that was like a story that came up for me that day around imposter syndrome and how mm -hmm. we do that and how we compare ourselves and our stories to someone else that has this really big story, but it doesn't negate the story that we have. That's and so, so there's a found object. So you could have done that same thing with the boat, and it might have been a completely different story around digital marketing or oh. a relationship speed algorithms or whatever it may be. So good. But the first place to start is with awareness. So I go look that. for your found objects and start journaling about them. And then before when as entrepreneurs, you're going to be creating content like crazy. I Storytelling based content. That's like a Trojan horse practice to like deep 
presence and awareness. And that is an I amazing. Do it regularly. That I'm going to practice. And I, by the way, I've seen that boat in San Diego. Yeah. Here I, comes the sun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I looked it up later because then I was like, okay, then the journalist to me got busy and I'm like, okay, I got to know more. Yeah. And it does. It docks there. It's actually yeah. um, from the Virgin Islands, yeah. I think. Yeah. But you can't miss it. Yeah. No, you cannot no. miss it. <laughs> Whether there's a crowd around it or not, you can't miss you it. You will know if, if it's there. It's very hard to mistake. Yeah. I, I, I love it. But that's it. a great practice. It is. I th- that is, I'm going to challenge everybody. I'll use the word challenge. I'll do a podcast on why I use that word so much. Little NLP challenge. stuff. But I say it all the time. I challenge all of you to try that practice for at least seven days. If you do that, I want to hear about it. Don't just tell George. I want to know. Tell him where to tell you. Okay. I want you to email me. Ooh. I love yeah. it. I'm here for it. Now, I want the, if, if you're going to do found object... You're going to email me, okay? What's your At email? least one story that you come up with a found object prompt. But you have to put found object in the subject line, I got right? it. Love it. that way I'll know where it came from. And you just email me, april at lightbeamers.com. Put found object in the subject line. And then tell me the story because now I'm going to be extremely curious. How I this love turns that. Out. I love this. Yeah, I asked everybody who wanted my playlist a couple weeks ago to send me messages. A whole lot of you wanted the playlist of music. So now that you're listening to that, I've, I've challenged all of you uh, because just so everybody knows, like even from a story front, the found object practice, the awareness of it is like one of the biggest gifts that you can do to practice it totally, presence. That's what it is. It's get just into awareness. your intuition, find that space to really. Give yourself the perspective to win as an entrepreneur and not always be in a story or in a situation or agendized or in the business. Like Like it's a really beautiful thing. It helps you pull out and then find the story. Because I have business owners that tell me all the time, like, I don't, I don't have a story in my business. I'm like, I don't know where that would fit or I don't know what story I would tell. And that would be a first assignment I would give them is to start looking for found objects and how to relate that back to the business that they do and the audience that they serve, the customers and clients that they serve. Mm -hmm. Because you can make up a story about anything. You totally can. And I have learned that. So this is not, you can do this, you guys. And I can't wait to see what found objects come. Okay. So found object, do the practice, write a story, send it to april at lightbeamers.com. Yeah. And just put found object in the subject line so she knows it comes from us. Okay, so I'm going to rapid fire you now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. Ocean or mountains? Mountains. Favorite food? Mexican. What? Well, that's style. What dish? Um, Chips and guacamole. Ooh, were they good last night? Yes. They were really good. The green salsa was the best. I liked the habanero pineapple salsa. That one was good with the pickled veggies. Yeah. Okay. White wine or red wine? Red. Mmm. I like that one. I like that one. Okay. Favorite book on storytelling? Oh. (laughs) I like you. I'll let you say that book. Okay. No, no. I got it. I'm still going to say it. It's the Bible. Mm hmm. Amazing stories. Amazing storytelling. But that one's okay. Got it. On storytelling, since for business specifically, because I'm going to go there. Donald Miller, Mm, right? A story story brand. brand. Yep. It's probably one of my go tos. Kendra Hall's Stories That Stick. Mm-hmm. I'm reading that one right now. I'm not finished with it, but it's really good. I'd give a, I'm going to give a very pattern interrupted book recommendation on this one. I'm going to say Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing I'm- through the lens of your own story. Yes. And it's a really powerful book and something yeah. that I've practiced my life doing. And it's a really good one. You and your family absolutely love to travel. Yes. You guys are the travel bugs. Dream destination. Right now with our kids, because yeah. I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, and we're like really 
now have that space where we have limited time. We mm-hmm. have seven years before we won't have kids in our house. So our dream vacation right now is to take them to Europe and mm. do a really full-on European vacation and take them to a multitude of countries. Love it. And favorite fo- favorite place you've ever visited? Can I have two? Yeah. Okay. It's your story. Yeah. The favorite vacation that I took with my husband, we that was a good location, one of my favorite locations. And a lot of people don't think this is one of their favorite locations. I've heard a lot of resistance to this when I <laughs> tell people that, but is Jamaica. Mm. Had an amazing, my- we were in the grill and just, I don't know what is just the perfect storm of where we were in our life at the time, but it was one of the best vacations I've ever had with him. And I thought the scenery and everything that we did there was just perfect. Mm-hmm. We had some really cool experiences that we don't have time to share on the show, but amazing. And then another life changing experience trip was to Paris, France with our friend Haley, mm. which was where my red dress came from. Oh, so, that's right. Uh, another story that's a story on your podcast it's a story on my podcast they can come listen to it what's the name of your podcast the inside story the inside story yeah i love it yeah i love it and then i have so many like i could ask you these questions all day i love this i know so i'm going to transition and i'm going to ask you my favorite question but i'm going to ask it in your language so you have the ability to tattoo a story on everybody's soul who's listening right now a story that they get to carry through if they listen to this whole episode and only remember one thing one thing, what would you tattoo on their soul? I want them to know that you have a story and that your story matters Mm -hmm. and that it has a place in this world, whether you think it's not big enough, like the boats in uh, the harbor in San Diego, or you think it's boring and nobody will care, or that you might think it's just totally too messed up to share and make sense of because it's so convoluted and crazy that there is a place for it and there's an audience for it and that there's a message that can be pulled out of that story that will be healing and full of hope and positivity and absolutely shines a light for other people i amen and true all of that your story matters and uh, it's a gift to the world and I, I will be a testament on the other side as I still unpack more parts of mine. Yeah. And I'm remembering every single day. And I love my favorite. The, my favorite way that you described story was the daily excavation of story. It is daily excavation. And I was like, you just keep digging and you keep you digging. And I was like, but it's like exploring. Like we're always like, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Did you find treasure in there? Total treasure. I love it. So. You guys got some you got some work to do. You got found do objects. Found object. You get to email April at lightbeamers.com with the subject line found object with your found object story. Come you, hang out in our community. Go hang out in our community. You can go listen to her podcast. There's a lot of things. Special on the red dress. Like you'll find her story. Go find it. Go listen to it. Go share it. It's for men and women, and I will vouch for everything she does <laughs> and her community. It is bright and full of plenty of light beams. April, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for being here. Thank you. We got plenty of more. We got another one of these events to plan. So we'll be there. We'll probably do Montana. And you get to experience the range of Montana already. It snowed this morning at our house. Yep. It snowed the first day. Then you had 60, 59, and 61 of sun. 60 65 yesterday. Sunny and beautiful. Woke up this morning and it was freezing. And I come upstairs with some other women here from the mastermind. And I'm like, it's a blizzard outside. It's so amazing. And I literally, because my husband's coming yeah. tonight for the event or for the public event. And I literally called him and I said, and I'm like, this is what I had. I had a sweater. <laughs> And I'm like, can you bring my North Face jacket and my boots? You know, uh, but welcome. now it's back to yeah. not being snowing, and it's probably 
warm out there again, so it's crazy. I, that's why I love Montana. Montana weather's like Texas weather. Yep. Like stick around long enough and it'll you'll change. Get, you'll like, get five seasons in a day. In a day. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm here for it's it. Crazy. And I wear shorts no matter what, so good. I'm always yeah. good. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being here. For everybody listening, this has been another episode of The Mind of George. I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, I think it's time to cue the outro. Go. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.